With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Goodness, people, Psychic Cancer Dabenga here, live and direct from Los Angeles. Sorry for the delay of getting on air. We barely made it. What's going on is that uh, so we'll at 6. Angel, how are you? Our director has just came into the booth, the studio. We're supposed to be on at 6, but there was a server issue, and what we found out was there was <laughs> clicking onto our server to hear the show that we was actually using a clone server as a technical phrase the boy about it anyway it wasn't uh made to sustain that many people we didn't realize that so the server actually went down for about five minutes and then we try to bring it up we did we totally forgot that it reconfigured itself to its default settings so you know our stuff is customized we said look we have an issue here so let's just go on at seven well here's the problem when we switch to our new server <laughs> for some reason it's the default setting was still set so it went back to our old server so it took a few minutes to get online here, but I think it's just a conspiracy. You know, maybe somebody from the CNDP or something like that. But, hey, thanks for your patience, you guys. and I really appreciate it. Uh, well, actually, you may hear some noise behind me in reference to, sorry, we need you back on the set. There's actually a remote uh, broadcast today. We're actually on a set uh, shooting a film at this moment. So I'm approximately 40 feet from where the action is, literally inside my trailer. And this is actually an action shot. They're doing a fight scene, so they don't need, uh, you know, we have someone else shooting that. So I figured I'd take a break for an hour because we're going to have a call time, uh, a break in about 30 minutes for the actors. So if you hear someone saying, sorry, we need you to come quickly, don't think I'm on the run or anything like that. That's just what's going on. So people, you want to call in, you can chat with me if you're online, you can see what's going on, uh, you can chat with me live if you want to call in. We're going to open up the phone lines in about, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, actually, as well. Uh, the call-in number is uh, 1-646-592-8892. 1-646-595-2892. And uh, this is a continuation of our last show that we did, uh, Ben Affleck, 
and we segued into the Congolese army. And a lot of people were really uh, interested in hearing the continuation of the profile, the segment on the Congolese army. So I definitely wanted to oblige and say, yes, we would definitely do that. We wanted to do it last week. That didn't work out because we were doing another shoot. Uh, we uh, wanted to do that day, and we were doing another shoot. And then plus I teach. That wasn't possible. So here we are today. So instead of doing 30 minutes, we're going to do an, uh, a complete hour. And how this came about, if you remember the last show, was that the Army of Congo, if you see it now, has been so much, so much mis, uh, maligned by everybody. Um, and these are the same people who were forcing the issue of mixage, which was, you know, the rebels and the militias and all these people, which by happenstance include Ugandan and Rwandan soldiers, into the Congolese army. The same people who are whining and moaning and complaining and all like then that we need to have mixage. We need to have mixage. The very same people who's now blaming the Congolese army for everything that's going on. And me personally, it reminds me of the black folk, particularly black males in America, where that one guy who commits a crime and was is slapped on the news and he's representative of every black male in the country. So with OJ's situation went down and all of a sudden he had that dark prison uh, profile picture on the, on the uh, Time magazine I believe, over the Newsweek. And that was an indictment of every black man in the country. And you see the same thing with the Congolese Army. They'll say the Congolese Army is the biggest perpetrator of, of violence against women, the biggest, the biggest predators in the country on the ground. Everybody's saying that, but all these people now, where were they when they were talking about this mixage? This whole thing isn't, you know, and it's not, this isn't by, you know, by, uh, this is, you know, was I, they were coming for you. When Kagame invaded Rwanda the first time back in 1990, it was the Congolese army side by side with the Rwandan army fighting against him. And there's rumor is that there's rumors going around for some time that the sniper that took Fred uh, Regimia, if I'm mis- mispronouncing that last name incorrect, I apologize, was a Congolese was a Zairean, uh, sniper who took him out. So let's not make it seem like these folks are out there looting and raping people because if you look at the time you do the history check, they weren't doing this when Mobutu was still alive and we had the Faz you know, the uh, armed forces of Zaire. And the thing that gets me really, uh, not in a tizzy, but really sets me aback is where are all these people who are out there bitching and moaning about what's going on in DRC with the Army? They're out there waving the flag and all this stuff, jumping up and down, talking about sexual violence against women. Where were all these people when the Congolese were saying, we don't want this deal? Where were they? Where were they when Ambassador Faita in Washington, D.C. was saying, we don't agree with the Lusaka Accords? And then uh, Undersecretary for African Affairs, Susan Rice, who is now the ambassador to the U.N., that all, all this is need to pull back. All the negative forces need to pull back. And again, I see uh, I'm getting a text here. What's the call-in number? The call-in number is 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. 
Where are all these people back Congress fighting for us for its lives with alongside its allies against invasions and people saying we'll cut off aid here and all these multinationals are rushing into the east signing these contracts. Where was everybody back then? Because these same people who were invisible back then are the free are the people you see on the news now talking about we have to reform the Congolese army. We need to dismantle the Congolese army. We need to uh, dissolve the Congolese army. We need to persecute the Congolese army. And, oh, my God, just gives me a headache. So let me give you a little sample here of exactly, uh, some, uh, you know, we always like to have our news clips and things like that. So let's go into the day of what is going on with the Congolese army. I'm going to play a little clip here from our, from our uh, news, um, our news uh, archives. Uh, in reference to the Congolese army and what's going on in Congo. This is German Schroeder. But yet, let's go backwards. Let's talk about Nkunda, and I'm going to use him to lead into what I want to do next. Yeah, I'm Nkunda, the Congolese Tutsi, who was in the RPF of Kagame, and then he came in into eastern Congo and didn't want to integrate with the Congolese army, and instead decided to have his own movement, the CNDP in eastern Congo, and started fighting people here, fighting people there, raping people here, burning people there. You remember, that's the same person that Ben Affleck said, Nkunda has some, made some great points. This is the same Nkunda. Well, let me let you say this. Let me let you hear his own word. You tell me if this guy for the Congo or for let's, We're going to leave this. I want you to listen carefully to what he says because we're going to, go into, we're going to play another interview that in Kigali, and you can be very surprised to realize how obvious of what's going on in Congo isn't by mistake. And there's always, a re- there's always a reason why it's going down the way it's going down. But listen very carefully. This is in Kunda. A lot of people, this is the first time I think people have ever heard the guy speak. Our government has betrayed his people. It's a betrayal. And if the government didn't have to be back from that and to accept to liberate Congo, we are going to fight this government even if he was elected. And if they can uh, kill Nkunda or whoever, but this shout of freedom will continue to cry. If I can get it by talks, it can be a, go, uh, a good a good way. But if not, we are ready to give our blood. So when you are thinking about Nkunda protecting Tutsi, yes, I am. And I have to accept that. And I have to protect Tutsi. But the way to protect Tutsi is to have friends in other communities. Is to look for them, supporters from other communities is to work with others so that they can uh, accept them like brothers. Yeah, uh, that was uh, Laurent Nkunda. You all remember him. That was the guy that was burning people alive in the husband, conscripting the children into, the, as, into child soldiers and basically brutalizing the men. Uh, that would be the same Nkunda who was supported by, by uh, you know, Paul Kagame across the board over there in Kigali. Now, we know the story about him. For those that don't know, we won't go into a long story, but basically he was a quote-unquote arrested by the Rwandan army uh, when they uh, came to quote-unquote jail under, quote, house arrest. Give me a break. 
Anyways, so now that was General Nkunda. You know a little story about him. Now here's the thing: we know the record's out there what he's done to the Connollys. The record is out there what he's done in terms of atrocities and mass killings and rapes and what have you. And you heard in his speech where he's talking about if I have to protect the Tutsi. This is what he said. Now for me, this is the Tutsi situation here. But this is Several months later, after uh, you know, Nkunda was uh, arrested, quote-unquote, again, there was a meeting in Kigali with some people from the EU, and they were talking about the CNDP. Let me let you hear what they have to say. And this would be Jurgen Schroeder of the EU talking about the Congolese army. Mind you, he was speaking live at a in Kigali, Rwanda. Well, it's um, something which... Um we had not expected because we thought that with the elections last year the overall situation in the DRC would calm down but unfortunately uh, northern Kivu which has been the epicenter of conflict for 15 years has uh, come into the headlines again. The European Union has uh, various, various possibilities to, to do something positive. In the first place the European Union should see to it that the uh, activities of Manuk can go smoothly and freely and uh, in a responsible way. The main thing is that uh, militias, new and old ones, are to be prevented from coming from uh, either side to the other. Then in the second place, uh, the tensions, the ethnic tension must be reduced and the European Union has a, a responsibility to, to have a share in doing so, in calming down things. And then we should support the Congolese government in stopping direct initiatives against General Nkunda and rather, as the International Crisis Group has suggested, to convince General Nkunda via some representatives and high-ranking officers also from the Monuk to stay in uh, certain parts of northern Kivu and then to be integrated into the Congolese army. I think this would be a great contribution to calming down tensions. What I would like to add is also the tripartite agreement between Rwanda, Congo and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees to do something to, uh, to tackle the problem of the refugees and IDPs. I mean, what we have done here is at any rate a step forward, and we are doing what we can do, I think. Uh, let me see if I understand correctly. Now, you heard the gentleman, Jurgen Schroeder of the EU. He was speaking legally at a conference. You should see the conference room. It was somewhat like a hotel. And he was talking about, what did he say? We need to have someone speak army to stop the initiative of the Congolese government, Kinshasa, to stop the initiative against General Nkunda and have a high-level representative with General Nkunda for them to stay quote, in the area of where they are and then integrate them into the army. Are you with me? When the Americans went into Iraq, they didn't integrate the Ba'ath Party into the Iraqi army or the American army military. When the Americans went into Afghanistan, they didn't integrate the Taliban into the new army. I mean, the, technically they're, they're, they're covered. But they didn't integrate the Taliban into any peacekeeping force in Afghanistan. When apartheid crumbled in 1994, 
you didn't see them integrating racist cops and Marines and military officers and stuff like that into the Congo, into the South African army. But yet, when it comes to Congo, and you see this in Sierra Leone, you see this in Liberia, but when it comes to, you see the same thing in Congo, to bring peace, instead of punishing those people who have caused so much destruction, rape, and terror, they want to what? Integrate them into the army. And then he says himself, leave them where they are. This reminds me of those history of the Vietnam War. When you had the Viet Cong, it's of the Vietnam. And you had the regular army up north, where Hanoi was. In the south, you had Saigon. When they had the peace, when they finally had the peace treaty at the round table, and mind you, it took a couple of days for people to argue about where they were going to sit at the table. Part of the peace deal was that it allowed the Viet Cong to remain based in southern Vietnam, where they were. South Vietnam's president, uh, who escapes me, not Ben Ben Q. I think he was uh, assassinated before that whole thing. Uh, Saigon vehemently argued about that point, saying, why did they have to stay here? They need to go. The Americans, who had a, a massive military fleet off the coast of Vietnam and still had a lot of arm, uh, military on the ground, they said, this is the peace deal we're going to go with. Now, you know Nixon was involved in the Watergate scandal for wiretapping, what have you, so he was forced to step down before he was kicked out through the impeachment process. Well, Hanoi, North Vietnam, started sending troops down. And every time they said sending troops to head, head towards the south, the American military basically bombed them to oblivion. Well, this time, during the impeachment process of Richard Nixon, it resulted uh, at the same time in the withdrawal from off the coast of Vietnam and in the uh, in the country itself, follows me down the yellow brick road. And that's when you see those pictures of the, the, the silver the, uh, helicopter on top of the rooftop in Saigon, getting the people out, and they're pushing all these helicopters off the aircraft carriers to make room for the refugees. But here's the thing. When the regular army of, Viet, of, the, of, of North Vietnam entered the South, who do you think they linked up with? The Viet Cong. What did the Viet Cong have in South Vietnam? Bases. Why were the bases there? because the peace treaty allowed them to remain there. Are you seeing the picture here? So, when the Americans were forced to pull their troops out, Hanoi was stunned by how fast they were able to take over South Vietnam. Now, I'm not saying that role will be in the history, as they always say, it is doomed to repeat itself. And you heard Jurgen Stronger say himself from the EU, say that in the army. Take a while, guess what? A lot of the vicious brutality was taken. Take a while. After the integration, the the very same road here. Ah, we have my friend here. 
Scott, what's going on? Because I have a couple of questions. First, why hasn't the African Union taken a larger role in this case? They have sent forces to Darfur and to Mogadishu. Second point is the idea of integration where the UN concept some members of the military are still showing loyalty to the militias. Why hasn't there been a greater call for accountability regarding Kigali and Kampala? Well, that's the first one. Again, we'll push back our commercial break to show the love because when questions come in, you know we like to take care of them. First, show off that they can mimic the very people they got rid of back independence. The end is not the way as it's like the did was they took off people and now the African Union can stand there and parade all at once. They have no interest because if you look, look at you know, a lot of when they are arresting but sure we're not going to Could you imagine the station the gas All you want to do again is say we are fighting to stop the we are start fighting to stop the war in Darfur and we are fighting to stop the war. And of course, yes, they send forces to Mogadishu and of course they send forces to Darfur. But it's, well, wow, they're not able to stop the rebellion or what have you in Darfur. Yet those same two respective components are on the Ugandan side able to occupy nearly the entire northern part of Congo, and on the Rwandan side occupy nearly the entire eastern part of Congo. Yet they can't take care of an area that's smaller than that, those, 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 those land masses together. Give me a break. That's what's going on. The second point is the idea of integration with the U.N. concept. 
Some members of the military are still showing loyalty to militias. Why hasn't there been a greater call for accountability regarding Kigali and Kampala? Great question, Kigali, and I'll answer it this way. It wasn't just a UN concept. It was also some of those folks that was at the table of Lusaka in Sun City. If you go back, to, if you go look for some art, if you look for some uh, what do you call it, uh, archival footage, you'll see now Wamba Dear Wamba, the senator that's over there in Kinshasa. He was first aligned with RCD Goma, the most one of the most vicious militias in Eastern Congo. Alongside him was Depo Shan Elunga, that guy who was in Northeastern in Boston. I remember vividly. I think it was 2003, 2003. And no, 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 come back, come back. It was 2000 because they were still fighting against Laurent Kabila. And all Depot Shank could say on tape, fine, you know, call the school, ask the Black Student Union, can you see the tape? He said, Kabila is not doing the job of protecting the Tutsis. Now, during, when it came time for the peace, everybody's down for fighting the cause when there's no peace on the table. But anytime peace comes up, then everybody has their little factions. It happened with the, with the rebels and Dafur, happens all over the place. So what happens that Wamba Dia Wamba, he's just an example in this case to answer Confused Ego. And Confused Ego, I hope I'm answering your question the way um, you had hoped it would be answered. He decided to instead go join up with the Ugandan-backed militia. And then what happened? Everybody was arguing for a place at the table so they can sign the Lusaka Accord. And one of the things that came up in the conversation was that what to do with the quote-unquote negative forces, where they tried to include the Mai Mai. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to play a clip when Ben Affleck was talking about them. So what happened to the U.N. concept, it was also some of these militia leaders who wanted to maintain their positions of power, wanted to maintain their revenue stream from these mines that they were occupying, and wanted to make sure they had access to those mines so they could continue to deal with the multinationals. Those guys also said, we have no problem integrating our, our militias into the Congolese army as long as they're allowed to stay where they are. That's why you will note R.C.D. Goma was the last uh, hold up under Azarius uh, Rubera. Even though Onosuma was trying to front like he was the power, everybody knew Rubera was the man behind, behind pulling the strings. That's what's going on. So yes, it was a UN concept, but at the same time, it was all these other players involved in this war that said, particularly those that, that the Congolese that betrayed the country, the ones positions maintained through the Lusaka Accords. Now, it says some members of the military are still showing loyalty to the militias. Exactly. I know there's that famous quote that was going around where they were talking about, I believe it was someone from Muno, a confused ego, maybe you can flow this to me, or one of our other listeners. I believe one of the UN uh, generals in the, in the Muno operation said that Nkunda means, means big business for us. Now, you know a Congolese. When they hear a comment like that, it doesn't seem to have to get out to the masses. But you know what? It's true. Because the UN needs Nkunda and these militias as much as these militias need need the UN. Because well, rebels, what's the what's you know going to do? Bring peace to uh what uh Bandundu? Give me a break. Now I understand there's a conflict taking place in Western Congo, uh in the Equator region. But that's yeah, a lot of these members. I mean, look, you, if you look at the reports of something, you know, from those countries. I don't know if it was in Pakistani, the Indians or what have you, but you notice you had Munuk members trading gold for weapons with the militias. Everybody knew it. This is, no, this is nothing making up. You had Munuk members out there offering like $2 an ice cream cone to a little Congolese girl and raping her. There's no secret about that. So, yeah, you know, the Munuk in the U.N. has created a cottage industry in Eastern Congo. So, of course, they're still going to be loyal. Why not? 
They have the guns. They have the helicopters. They have all this. Of course, they're hampered by their mandate. But this isn't to indict all the members of MUNO. This isn't to indict all the members of the United Nations. Because to do that, I'll be doing the thing that people are me. So communications with the militias, with these mines and the multinationals. There's always become an element. And the funny thing that's not mentioned that I notice is that a lot of people seem to forget when Rwanda, through RCD Gomes, was occupying Eastern Congo, they knew what the FDLR was because they were doing business with them. Everybody knows it. They'd be on one side of the block. They occupy the entire eastern portion of the country, but not able to deal with the FDLR, who at that time totaled 6,000 members. Give me a break. Now, let's come down to Confused Eagle's uh, next question here. And again, Confused Eagle, I hope I'm giving the answers to your question uh, in a straightforward way, because I'm not into all this intellectual talking points that a lot of people tend to make. His next question, why haven't you made a call for Kampala and Kampala? Now, are you talking about a greater call from the African Union or from people abroad? We'll, assume, we'll, we'll start off thinking uh, on the assumption that you're talking about the African Union. In this case, I would say it goes back to what I said before. It's nothing but an old boys, old boys network. They're not going to come out and, and talk and, and dog each other. They're not going to get out there and say we need to have sanctions. The only time the AU is going to indict is going to talk about sanctions and stuff like that. It is a coup d'etat in Mauritania or Madagascar. But they're not going to come out there and condemn anybody. They're going to close ranks and protect one of their brothers. You don't believe me? Look at the if they're known at that. Now, I think it's kind of ironic that a lot of the uh, folks in the West are, are whining about the fact that he's not arrested. But the thing about the sure in this example, in this case, was that a lot of people want to talk about sure not being arrested when, you know, they themselves haven't signed the Rome statutes allowing them to arrest him. And on top of that, I can't remember who the second to last envoy was in the United States to Sudan, but they said Bashir is not on the top of their list at this moment. I think maybe because of the election year in the States and what have you. Now, oh, okay, I see you confused. Uh, I see you confused, uh, Ego. You want both? So on the African Union side, they're not going to hold them accountable. They won't. Until generation involved in the African Union, until we get a new brand of leadership involved in the Great Lakes or in Africa, a generation that says, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you helped us get our independence back in 1960, but I'm sorry, you're causing problems in our brother's state, our brother's country. Either pull out or we'll sanction you. If you good example, if you look at the World War uh, with Congo, but let me come back to that in a moment because I want to answer the second question. Why hasn't the West condemned uh, Kagada and Kampala? Too much of an interest. Now, let's, let me take that back. Let me come back again. I don't want to indict everybody because Canada, the Netherlands, and some other countries, I think it was Ireland, they cut off economic aid to Kigali. Very Now, Kagami wanted to say, oh, that doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does, because Kigali and Kampala have a lot of things in common. One of them is that they're both subsidized countries. They rely and live and exist solely on external donors, except for the money that they're looting out of Congo. That's a little different. That's one of the reasons why a lot of the people will not condemn Kigali and Kampala. Now, People want to point the Americans. Well, let's not forget, George Bush was one of the first people that put out, I can't remember exactly what I'm looking for, but he put sanctions on Nkunda and his people and those militias by freezing their assets abroad and what have you. George Bush did that. Go check out the archive. It's true. Some people say, oh, no, that's not true. Yes, it is true. 
on top of that, there has been some people that have spoken in the in the U.S. and the and the British and what have you. The problem is that when you have someone like what was that woman's name? Uh, Cook, uh, the British uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, something Cook. Can't remember her name. She was so pro Rwandan, people thought she was actually Rwandan by birth. They're not going to condemn. I mean, you have people in the West that will condemn, but for the most part, I'm coming to you. For the most part, they're not going to come out there and condemn because, again, they're benefiting from this war. That actually leads into the next point I was going to make in reference to the World War, but it's something that confused Eagles brought up. He goes, let's include the corporate interests that deal with the militia directly. Well, here's the problem. You have a lot of people running around. Now, he was, I'll read this again. He was talking about, let's include the corporate interests that deal with the militia directly. Let's go back to the archival footage of when the invasion was taking place against Mobutu. And you saw on ABC News, World News Tonight, CBS News, and uh, NBC News, and you saw on BBC. While the, the ADFL was closing in on Kinshasa, you saw all these mining companies, all these, industrial, industrialized, uh, these uh, in, uh, industrialists in eastern Congo on camera signing contracts. You saw Kadada there. You saw these other guys there signing contracts while Mobutu was still in power in the West. Now, that's a violation of sovereignty right there. But they are basically made up their mind that Mobutu is out. Let's make a deal. Now, it's very interesting that the, the, the uh, corporate interests have popped up because you have a few of these, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? These, uh, uh, I don't know what you call them, these armchair advocates running around talking about the situation in Con- Congo is not a conflict war. It's not driven by minerals. Well, look, there's a reason why you don't see coup d'etats in the Midland Sahara. But when you find oil in, in, in some of those West African countries, what happens? Cool. When you find diamonds and, and mineral deposits, what happens? Cool. Why do you think there's no militias or anything like that popping up in, uh, in Windhoek, Namibia? Of course it's a, it's a, it's a conflict-fueled, um, what you call it, uh, a war. On top of that is the land, which I'll come to. Well, I'll speak on it now. The land, because it's a landlocked company. And one of the issues that Habi Amana had with Mosevani had with Habi Amana is that Habi Amana didn't want to take back all those refugees, those Tutsi refugees who had fled Rwanda to Uganda. And when Rwanda was occupying eastern Congo, they were flooding Rwandan citizens and nationals into eastern Congo to, take, to occupy the land and forcing out the Congolese indigenous to the area. Now, the other issue, it is a conflict issue. Why people say it's not a conflict issue, they're in denial. Because 99, I'm sorry, you go back to uh, 96, you go to uh, 98, you go to 2001. Let's look at the conflict this way. Before the invasion, Uganda and Rwanda were not exporting any kind of minerals. There was more minerals in my back in the parking lot behind the set we're filming in than in Kampala and Kigali. Well, after the invasion, what did the Rwanda and Uganda begin exporting? gold and all these other minerals that they don't have. How much money was these militias making at one point? If you've done the numbers, $114 million in one year off of conflict minerals. When someone comes up to you and says it is not a conflict-driven war, they have an agenda that they are not sharing with you. Case closed. Everybody knows it. There's no business. I mean, give me a break. You get Congo, you get a whole lot of things. It's not just conflict in terms of diamonds. It could be a conflict in terms of those, you know, the water of the dam. It could be on the tantrum line, the things that power the cell phones, the laptops, all those things. So, again, the corp is very important. You have to remember that when Congo wanted to do the, the deal with China, 
let's hold on. Let's take our commercial break, and we'll be right back. Bear with me, people. I want to give you a little love here. Man, we're having fun with our server here. We may have to like actually skip our commercial break and stay with you guys a little longer. I know you guys missed me, but hey. Oh, but now, here we go. We can get this thing to flow. Hey, Joella, what's going on with our server over there? We still have issues? Well, you know what? I guess that's God saying, you know what? No commercial break. So let's see what happened because we're trying to cue our stuff up here, so bear with me. Back to the question of what Confused Eagle was talking about. Yes, people's interest is very alive and well in Eastern Congo. And why they're alive and well in Eastern Congo, the colonies in those areas are dead and buried. Because what happened a couple of years ago when the Xbox, when the PlayStation first came out around Christmas, there was a reason why uh, they had sold out. They didn't have enough inventory. The reason, why, the reason why they didn't have enough inventory is that so many Congolese mines were dying. There wasn't enough Congolese to dig up, which they do by bucket and shovel. That's when Microsoft came off saying we have a shortage of these PlayStations. It may have been Xbox. It is nothing but a revenue stream to, to these corporate interests when it comes to Congo. Even in Rwanda, there's a time, and it may still be the fact, if you're in eastern, Rwanda, in eastern Congo using your cell phone, you dialed the number, the area code was used was Rwandan area code. So that way all the cell phone, that cell phone calls that were made in eastern Congo, Rwanda was getting that revenue. How do you think Rwanda built themselves up in Kigali so quickly? With what resource? They weren't doing that before six. They weren't doing that before 40. They weren't doing that before 2001. Where do you think all that money came from? So we'll do another show with what these folks who were saying that is not a conflict-fueled uh, war. It is something else between superpowers. That's, that rhetoric was back in the 60s and the 70s. We have to look at it for what it is. Now let's bring it back to the Congolese Army. The Congolese Army is in a tough situation for the most part because they are asked to, be, to guard the ground where they are not being paid unaware of what is in the ground beneath their feet. They are left out there with no general, no salary. They have to grow their own food, have their families there. What are they supposed to do? I'm not talking about what elements within the army. Because like I said last week, there are ele- you know, these, this mixage took place with people in this X-Files and Congolese army that were defending the country, the country against invasion. And I'm sure to this day, there's a lot of them still in the military saying, these folks need to go. And if they don't go, we're going to do something about it. Now, Joelle is saying we can try our commercial break, so let's see if we're able to do that. If not, we'll just continue on through the show for the entire hour. And if I lose my voice, <laughs> so be it. Say la vie, correct? Let's see here. What can we do for you guys? Let's see if we can do something. A report into what happened after these came out regarding the FARDC. I believe Al Jazeera did a report some time ago on the Congolese Army. We can get this to play, even though, again, we're having a problem with our SERP. La, la, la. If anyone writes in and complains about my singing, I got time for all you guys. So anyways, we are unable to get our mixes in here because, again, we have a survey issue, but hey, 
through this technology. We're going to do what we're going to do anyway. So again, people, that is the situation that's coming. For me, why are so many people out there quick to condemn the Congolese army? Why are so many people out there to quickly condemn the Congolese women who are in the army? Why are these people out there so quick to condemn? Because they have an agenda. There's an agenda that we slander the, the Congolese army, then we can give them people outside the country that there's no one to protect the women who are being brutalized, raped, and just being made to suffer at the elements within the Congolese army. I was told by uh, Scott Morgan that there was a photo of the militias at a checkpoint. He uh, sent it to me, I believe. I have to check my email, and I'll post it up in the blog portion of our radio show here on our radio site. He was talking about how there's a picture of a militia member fondling the breast of a woman, a Congolese woman, passing through a, not a roadblock, through a, let's say a toll or something like that. As a Congolese man born in the DRC, that irks me beyond words that I will use on this radio station. And how, listen, who's Congolese of name and worthy, particularly a male, can stand there and say that doesn't rip at their heart to see their women violated is someone that needs to question their nationality and their agenda. Conversely, no, I'm sorry, in addition to that, the addendum, our Congolese women need to feel that somebody is out there looking out for their interests. And there's something that needs to do that first, foremost, period, up front, ahead of the line, is the Congolese men. And that will be those within the army who fought to keep that country from being overrun. Are you with me, brothers? All I know is that every day when I teach, when I'm on a set like now, when I walk around, thinking to myself, one of my Congolese sisters is being brutalized as we speak. One of our Congolese young daughters is being brutalized as I'm walking up this street. And all people want to do is bitch and moan and be little spineless cowards and say, no, we need to create these little partnerships or these little NGOs and donate money to the little poor Congolese. No, we need to make sure that we subsidize them so that they don't have to worry about being victims of the Congolese army and the men within the those army. No, we have to make sure that it's all about the sexual violence. And by that extension, if we say it's about the sexual violence, we're saying that it's the men committing this catch, this sexual violence. Bitch, please. And the people out there who may be listening that are saying that, you know who you are. I'm not, you know, when I'm here in the States, I have my little sister out there in Virginia, Phelan, who's doing a program with that through domestic violence. When it comes to what I see in this country of how people risk a woman being brutalized, in most cases, because we have like that guy who uh, died, who was left to death, who left, was left to die in New York. When I, that, if I call, if, if a woman gets robbed now, and she dials 911 or someone flags down a cop, a cop will be there in five minutes. Who's protecting our women when, when they're being dragged out of the hut? Who's protecting our women when they're being dragged out of the village? Who's protecting our women when they're being dragged into the bushes and they're screaming and crying and shouting, help me, help me, help me? And the person that is doing it sometimes own a militia or it might be a Rwandan soldier or it might be a Ugandan infected with HIV. Because back in the day, it was no secret that Uganda, Pennsylvania, 
was sending in their HIV-infected soldiers into Uganda, into Eastern Congo, to rape the women. So as this woman's being brutalized by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten soldiers, and she's screaming and looking to God for help, and she's crying and just saying, who's going to help me? Someone help me. Who are these people to come to tell me or to tell Serge or to tell Mandela or to tell Yambo or to tell Jules or to tell Hughes or to tell Franklin? Who are they to tell us what the friggin' problem is? We know what the problem is. You're the problem because we want to do it this way, but you want to do it that way. And what happens? You dangle a little bit of money to some poor little Africans in the bush, and they follow you. And then you haven't convinced that you'll protect them. But as I believe it was Joseph Mbangu said sometime about it could be wrong, it might have been another gentleman, another brother, uh, Petna, at the uh, Congo Week in Harlem, he says the mercenaries uh, are now in the form of the NGO, the NGO, the new mercenaries, not the Congolese army, the NGOs, because they create this that when the gunshot is fired, the NGOs go running for the hills, and who's right behind them? The list that they were supporting. Where's the Congolese army? It's paralyzed. You have the nationals in the army that want to defend the country who are being undermined by the multinationals who are supporting the mixage of the Congolese army. But people, mark my words, it will all come to a head. Confused ego, did I answer your questions? I hope I touched on that. If I didn't, let me know if there's something else you want me to speak upon. So people, what's it going to be? Stop maligning the Congolese army. Stop saying that it's all about them. Say that there are elements within the army that, are doing, that, is, that is doing this madness. But please stop the madness of saying it's the entire men in the Congolese army raping everybody because it's not true. And all you're doing is you're becoming a racist and a bigot by saying, yes, it is true. And what you do is you wheel out some young African woman or some, young, or some elder African a Congolese woman and say she was raped by the militia. You'll say it's the my mind. You'll say it's the, 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 the fake my mind. You'll say it's the, it's the, the move over here. You'll say it's the FDLR, the Hutu. But I never hear no one saying it's the CNDP. I never hear anybody saying it's the, the Rwandan troops that are integrated in the Congolese army. I never hear anybody saying it's the Ugandan soldiers that's in the Congolese army. I never hear anybody say it's the Burundian soldiers in the Congolese army. Give me a break. Sooner or later, as Michael Jackson said, and say the truth will not cannot be denied. The truth will be set free. The truth will come out of what's going on. It'll probably be some of the army himself who's going to speak on and say, "This we didn't want this, and as a result, look what happened to our country." Why do you think people think they can do what they want in the East? Oh, there's a problem when the people want to march for rights. There's a problem when people want to voice their opinion about the government. There's a problem when people say the Rwandans have to go. Well, they're arrested, raped, and murdered, and slaughtered. But whoa, we got a problem here. How is it these NGOs seem to never have a problem of sitting up out there? How come these people never have a problem of sitting up some kind of little hospital or something like that, or some little nonprofit or something like that, or some kind of grant-making engine? <clears throat> Why is it when the Congolese want to do something, they're undermined? Why is it when the people want to do something, they're undermined? The people doing this can get away with it. It's all about impunity. And people want to say, when they talk about impunity, make it seem like it's at the level of the Congolese army. Impunity is the Boscos, who are commanders in the army, who have raped, burned, and, and pillaged. 
Impunity is when you rape an entire village and your commander is made a parliamentarian or is made a general or is made a colonel. That's what impunity is. I'm not granting impunity. I'm not doing anything of, 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 of the such. But how long, brothers, are we going to sit here and let our army be maligned? Because by extension, they're maligning us. And I remember when I called Congo sometime last year and said I want to visit some of the Congolese at this place. I can't remember who it was. The lady who I knew was in the United States said to me, well, you know, we're very particular women. Exactly. Our women. She's from here. In fact, I think she's from L.A. It reminded me of Tears of the Sun when the lady, Monica Bottolucci, kept saying, my people this, my people that. No, they're not your people. They're my people. You're visiting. Let's get it right. The truth will come out. The truth will be set free. The Congolese army will be who they are to be. Um, change is coming in the wind, whether you believe it or not. Change is coming in the wind, whether you believe it or not. But we have to stand strong and support our military. When military, when I was you know, as a veteran myself, when I see the honor that's being bestowed on fallen veterans, whether it's in real life or in a movie, even on, I believe it's uh, Meet the Press, or This Week with George Stephanopoulos. I think it's George with This Week with George Stephanopoulos. They have a section that's called Memoriam. It talks about talks about famous people who have passed away. When I see them, they're honoring their fallen soldiers. When have we honored our fallen soldiers with something, free, you know, free tuition to school or something like that? Maybe that is happening. I'm not aware about it. But how are we honoring our fallen soldiers? Because all I see are these pictures of our fallen soldiers left, being left dead in the street. That, that, that breaks my heart. These are folks that put on the uniform to defend the country, and they're being left dead in the street like, they're, like a, an old towel. Come on, people. Give me a break. Give me a break. What is it going to take, people? What is it going to, to say enough is enough? When is it going to take that who are really, who are our, who's really standing with us? Because I don't see them out there talking and saying anything about the Congolese army. And if they're going to not respect our own military, they're not going to respect us. Do you understand where I'm coming from? My students like to say, do you feel me? <laughs> so people, have so much time left. And we're still having server issues, so hopefully you guys are hearing what I'm saying, and hopefully you guys are taking what I'm saying to heart. Change is going to come. Change will happen. Our army will be who they were and who they will be. But our army is being left to defend for themselves, and everybody's making them out to be the enemy, whether it be the UN through MUNOC, whether it be the international community at large, would it be some armchair advocates running around talking about we have to deal with the Congolese army? I always find it very interesting how we always got to deal with the Congolese army. We always got to deal with the FDLs. But when it comes to the militias that are doing these things, no one ever talks about the fact how they're dominated. No one ever talks like there's like a no-fly zone over our Tootsie brothers and sisters. And we talk about that. 
I'm not talking about those of our friends that are down with us. I'm talking about those cats in Kigali who are in power, those guys who have infiltrated our military. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. One of these days, it is going to happen. You have to believe when I tell you that. It will happen. Are you with me? So in our minute, almost guys, we're going to try to log off. I think we have about seven minutes here, and we're just a lot of things are frozen on our control board. We're trying to migrate everything over to our uh, other server so we can get this stuff done. So if we act inadvertently get disconnected. <laughs> Then that is meant you know. I know you people are asking. Sorry, people are right, you know, uh, texting me on my phone. Where's the music? Where's the music? We're trying to get our music playing, but there's a technical issue with our server, which is really annoying me at this moment. But all I can say to you guys: if you have a question, send me a text. Confused ego, I'll get your questions there. Have I? Are there anything else I need to cover? Anything else that I, uh, I didn't touch on? Are there any questions that I didn't answer to uh, the best? Uh, to the best that it needs to be answered. Corporate interest is benefiting from Congo. Munoz is benefiting from Congo. The African Union is in denial about Congo. And right now it seems like Congo has no friends. It's just us against the world. I never thought I would say, but that seems to be the case as it is. That seems to be the case as it is. So for me, what can we do? What are we allowed to do? What are we going to do? We have to stand up our military. Yes, we have elements within the Army that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Yes, we have people in the Army who are looting and raping and they're abusing the power they have with the gun and the uniform. But people, there are members in the military who are really trying to defend that country. And it seems like everybody's coming at them from all different directions. We have to not just let the women know we're standing with them. We have to let them know we're the uniform that we're standing with them. FDLR, they're nothing. Who are they? But people, we have to make a difference. We have to change things. We have to let people know we are not going to tolerate this anymore. We're not. Because sooner or later, you know, remember when Kabila came to power, he dropped 10,000 troops in the eastern Congo border with Rwanda. Kigali thought, that was it. We're going to war. What are we going to do? Now, people, Joella wants to try something because, you know, when people are texting me, where's the music? Where's the music? She's going to try to connect us to the other server in our remaining minutes here. If we get disconnected, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. Confused Ego, I believe that's Scott Morgan. Thank you for your clean. I hope I answered them. And again, we'll tune in for our next show. So, Joella, you want to try it now? Go ahead. Feel free. Let's see what happens. She's trying. She's trying. She's trying to be bored. Can she do it? Can she do it? <laughs> we'll see. All right. We do have a problem here. And we can, they're call, actually calling me back to the set. So, people, it's not exactly an hour, but I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to what I have to say. 
you send me an email, you can give me a call, you can text me or what have you, you can chat with me, you can find me on Skype, Saeed Dabinga. You can find me on Facebook, Saeed Dabinga, S-A-I-D-D-I-B-I-N-G-A. Reach out to me. What do you want to talk about? Our next show. We have a nice little special guest from Florida. That's all I'll say. People, Saeed Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.